Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Lawless, Lawless, Chapter 12, or not Chapter 12, Chapter 2, sorry, Chapter 2. The night after Judd had gone back to his apartment in Victoria, where he was stationed, Christina Bell lay awake for hours, worrying about Tippy Moore and Judd's odd reaction to the news that she was going to be in the movie. He seemed fascinated by the woman just from her photographs, and it was obvious enough to be painful. He might hold Christina Bell on his lap and reassure her about her scars, but it was impersonal. He never even touched her in an appropriate way, despite her efforts. Her mind went back to the that Saturday long ago when her life had changed so drastically. She could smell the scents of blood and leather, feel the whip on her back. Through waves of pain, she heard a deep, gravelly voice cursing steadily. It was the only sound audible, although five other cowboys were standing around her with grim faces and stiff posture where she lay. The girl was dusty because it hadn't rained, and there were traces of hay in her disheveled blonde hair. She was lying on her stomach, and her blouse was ribbons, blood seeped from the deep cuts in her back. There had been hard thuds and groans from somewhere nearby, followed by sounds of a door slamming. A minute later, she felt someone kneel beside her. Christina Bell, can you hear me? Judd's voice asked harshly at her ear. Her dark eyes opened just a slant. It was hard to focus, but she remembered that Judd Dunn was the only person who ever called her by her full name. Everyone else called her Chrissy. Yes? Was that her voice? It sounded weak and strained. The sun was so bright that she couldn't get her eyes open. I'm going to have to pick you up, honey, and it's going to hurt. He said, grow your teeth. <laughs> she swallowed hard, hard. Her back felt raw. Her blouse was sticking to the lacerated skin, and he could feel the hot, wet blood cooling as it soaked the fabric. It had a funny smell, like metal. Judd's strong arm slid under her legs and around her ribcage as carefully as he could. He swung her up, trying to avoid gripping the torn flesh. Her small breasts were pressed hard against the warm muscle of his chest, and she sobbed, trying to stifle the sound of pain. Lanced through her vision. What about Daddy? She choked. His black eyes flashed so violently in that lean, taunt face that two of the cowboys climbed the fence to avoid him. He's in the tack room. He said, He'll stay there till the sheriff deputies get in here. No, she got jumped off. You can't have him arrested. Mama's sick and scared on the run. I can't either. He's already under arrest. He's been a Mama Texas Ranger. You might. But I had your foreman radio the sheriff's office from my car. They're already on the way. He'll run our part of the ranch, repeated, still mostly in shock from what had happened so unexpectedly. Her father had a history of violent behavior when he drank. In fact, Ellie, her mother, was now an invalid because Tom Gaines knocked her off a ladder in a drunken rage and broke in her pelvis. Her emergency surgery hadn't completely healed it, and she had weak lungs to boot. I'll run the ranch. Your part in mine. He said so shortly. He kept, be still, honey. Tears ran down her pale cheeks, her eyes closed, and she shivered. Her, he looked down at her with his lips in a thin line. Her long blonde hair had come loose from his ponytail, and it was matted with her own drying blood. He cursed under his breath, only stopping when the ambulance came carrying up the doorway. Maudie, the heavy-set, buxom housekeeper, was wringling her hands on the porch. She ran forward, her hair disheveled. My poor baby, she's up, John. Is she going to be all right? She will, uh. She will be. Can't say the same for Tom. If you won't press charges, by God, I will. A small, thin woman with gray streaked fair hair combed, come hobbling on the front porch in a tattered old chimney robe, tears running down her cheeks as she saw her daughter. She'll be all right. Go back to bed, Ellie. Judd called him from his voice. Called in for her. His voice was in. I'll take care of her. Where's Tom? She asked shakingly. His voice. I logged up in the tack room.
Her eyes closed and she leaned Thank God. Marty, get her the hell back to bed before she passes out on the floor. Judge yelled and kept walking straight toward the EMTs who were just getting out of the ambulance. Behind them, a sheriff's patrol car arrived with lights flashing and a deputy got out to approach Judd. What happened? Deputy Sheriff James Carson asked his eyes on Christina Bell's back. Tom happened. He replied thirstily, waiting for the EMTs to get the gurney ready for Christina Bell. He was baiting her filly with a quick. She tried to pull him off. Haynes winced. He'd been a deputy for five years, and he'd seen plenty of battered cases. But this, Christina Bell's Christina Bell was barely 16, thin and fragile. Most people around Jacobsville, Texas, loved her. She was forever baking cakes for her bazaars and taking flowers to elderly shut-ins, helping to deliver warm meals to invalids after school. She had a heart as big as Texas, and to think of Tom Gaines' big arm, bringing a quirk down on her back with all his might was enough to make even a veteran law enforcement officer. Where is he? Haynes asked coldly. Judd pointed in the direction of the tack room, his eyes never leaving Christina Bell's tear-trenched face. The tears were all the more potent from the lack of even saw. Keys by the door, he met Haynes. You keep that son of a bitch locked up no matter what it takes. I swear before God, if you let him loose, I'll kill him. He said in a tone that said chills down Abe and Haynes' back. I'll set the bells. I'll see that bell set as high as possible. He shared the other man grimly. I'll go get him. It's drop. It was. Now he's crying. He's sorry, of course. He's always sorry. He's Christina Bell down on her. I'm going with her, he told the EMTs. They weren't inclined to argue. Judd Dunn was intimidating enough when he was in a temper. He glanced back at him. How about calling the ranger office in San Antonio and telling them I'll probably be late in the morning and get someone to fill in for me? Well, they ain't said, I hope she'll be all right. Sure he will, he said somberly. He climbed into the ambulance and sat down across from Christina Bell, catching her soft little hand tightly. Can you give her something for pain? He asked as the tears continued to pour down from her face. I'll ask for orders. The ENT got the hospital on the radio and explained the patient's condition. He was questioned briefly by Dr. Jebediah Coulter in the physician on call. Give me that. Judd said shortly, holding out his hand for the mic. The EMT didn't argue with Gober. Yes, bro. You're done. Christina's back. Looks like wrong meat. She's in agony. Have them give her something. I'll take full responsibility for her. What haven't you? Keep remembering. Give me back to Dan. Sure. He handed the mic to the MT who listened, nodded, proceeded to fill a hypodemic form from a small vial. Judd pulled out his hat and wiped off the sick sweat from his straight black hair that was dripping onto his broad forehead, tossed the hat aside and stayed of Christina Bell with one eye. Judd, she whispered hoarsely as the needle went in. Look after Mama. Of course, he returned his fingers tacking around hers. His face was like stone, but the deep-set black eyes in him were still blazing with fury. She said, I'll have scars. They won't matter, he said through his teeth. Her eyes closed wearily. It would be all right. Judd would take care of everything. <laughs> And he had. Five years later, he was still taking care of everything. Christina Bell had never felt guilty about that before, but suddenly she did. He had the responsibility for everything here, including herself. Her father had died of a heart attack soon after his arrest. Christina Bell's mother had died the year Christina Bell graduated from high school, leaving just Maudie in the house with her. Judd came to stay during the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, and the three of them had good times together. But Judd had never wanted a physical relationship with his young wife, went to extreme lengths to make sure they didn't have one. This year, he transferred to the Victorian Texas Ranger Post when an elderly ranger worked it. 
had retired. It hadn't been long after his friend, fellow Texas Ranger Mac Brandon, and Josette Langley had married, and Cash Cryer had come down here from San Antonio to become Jacobsville Assistant Police Chief. Mac had worked out of the Victorian office, too, briefly, but he left the Rangers to become a full-time rancher with when Josette had become pregnant. Judd visited them and their son Christopher often. So he let her sit in his lap tonight, but it hadn't meant anything, and it never would. His pulse hadn't even raced, she recalled miserably. But when the director had mentioned Tippy Moore, he smiled, and there had been a purely masculine look in his eyes. She knew Judd was no virgin, even if she was. He had a worldly air about it, and women seemed to sense it, as her friend Debbie had at school. Later, she remarked that he was probably great in bed and had broken women's hearts everywhere. Christina Bell had brooded after that, where she recalled some odd remarks from her mother long ago about Judd and the company he kept in San Antonio. Apparently, he was no stranger to permissivist women, but he never brought any of them to the ranch. Her mother had smiled knowingly about that. He wouldn't want to parade any of his lovers in front of Christina Bell, she remarked, not when they were secretly married. It devastated her to think the judge didn't honor his wedding vows, even if it was a paper marriage. Realistically, he couldn't have gone without a woman for several years. She knew that. But she hated picturing him in bed with some gorgeous companion. She cried for two days, hiding her tears in the hen house while she gathered eggs or while riding fence lines with the boys. Her tomboyish nature had disturbed her invalid mother, who said that Christina Bell should be learning how to dress and set proper place settings instead of throwing calves for branding and grooming the horses in the rickety stable. Christina paid... Christina Bell paid her no attention and went right on with her chores. She felt that she had to hope had to hold up to her part of the responsibility for the ranch somehow and help with the daily chores before and after school and on weekends was her way of doing it judd noticed at first with amazement and then with affectionate indulgence he did care about her in his way, but it wasn't the way Christina Bell wanted him to care. She had a terrible premonition about the change of the movie company's arrival the following month was going to make in her dreamy, dreary life. Judd had already start, started stated his intention of getting an annulment in November. What if he fell head over heels for the international famous model the most adult men drooled over? She couldn't help thinking that the model might find him equally attractive. Judd was a dish. She started to roll over and put the pillow over her head. Plenty of time for those worries after she got through the computer class exam at school on Monday. The exam! How could she have forgotten? She reached for her alarm clock and set it for an hour earlier than usual. A little last-minute cramming never hurt anybody. She got through the exam in her other classes and went home to do chores. She just finished grooming her mare, the same one she managed to save from her father's brutal brutality when it was just a filly when she heard a car drive up. Molly had gone to the store, so she went to see who it was. She was surprised to find a black and brown Jacobsville police car sitting there, tall, well-built man in uniform with his thick black hair and a ponytail turned at her approach and came down the steps with a hand on the butt of his forty-five automatic and the holster on his well-laden duty belt, sharing space with a leather ammunition clip holder along with leather baton, arsenal, aerosol, flashlight, and knife holders. It was Cash Cryer, the assistant chief. Chrissy had seen him just once, but she'd heard a lot about him. He was like Judd, she supposed, all business and stone face. On a wicked impulse, but both hands high overhead. I confess I did it, she called. I robbed Jacobsville, savings and loan. The money's in the barn. Go ahead. Get a rope. <laughs> Stopped at his eyebrows. Rose chiseled very disciplined mouth in between the full mustache and the small goatee turned up both sides and his dark eyes twinkled on a swarthy, scarred face. Search yourself. 
Leave me to a tree. He replied, she grinned. It changed her face, made her radiant. She rubbed her dirty right hand on her equally dirty jeans and extended Hi, I'm Christina Bell Gaines. Everyone calls me Chrissy, except Judd. He shook man. What does Judd call you? Yeah, Christina Bell. She said on his side. No imagination, and he hasn't got a sense of humor. If you don't want to arrest me, why are you here? We're not even in your jurisdiction. The city limit sign is four miles. That away, she pointed at each Actually, I'm looking for Judd. He left a message for me. I understand there's a movie company coming out here to film, and they need on-site security for some of my off-duty officers. I'd volunteer, he added. But they'd worry me to death trying to get me to play the lead in their movie. I'm good looking, in case you haven't noticed. He added with a wicked grin. Took her a minute to get it, then she burst out laughing. Are you going to be in it? He persisted with a grin. She nodded. I'm going to play a lilac bush next to the porch steps. I understand the makeup will take all day. He chuckled. She was a real charmer and pretty to boot. He liked her personality. Been a long time since a woman had appealed to him so much at first meeting. I'm Cash Grier, the assistant police chief. He introduced himself. I guess you figured that out already. Uh, what gave me a car? What gave me away? The patrol car? It does stand out, she remarked. Very nice. Uh, we like to think we have the sexiest patrol cars in Texas, he agreed. I look good in a, polo in a police car. He added, her dark eyes gazed up into his. Let's see. Oh, no, he replied. It's too much for you, some women. We'll have to work up to letting you see me in the car. He lifted both eyebrows and his eyes. Went, I look pretty good over a cup of coffee, too. It was a hit, and she took it. Okay, let's see. Before they got into the house, the ranch truck pulled up with Maudie in it. She got out and pulled a sack of groceries out from beside her. Her green eyes went from the patrol car to the tall uniformed man. She turned to Christina Bell and got, Well, what have you done now? This is Cash Grier, our new assistant police chief. He says he looks good over a cup of coffee, she told Maudie. I'm going to let him prove it. She gave Grier speaking I've heard about you. They say you play with rattlesnakes and send wolves running. Oh, I do. Guy assured her genuinely, I like a spoon to stick up in my coffee. He added, then you'll be right at home here. That's how Chrissy makes it. Here, he said, taking the burden out of her arms with a flare. Woman's lip be damned. No dainty little woman should have to carry heavy packages up steps. Might have got her breath to put a hand to her heart. Chivalry lives? She explained, he leaned out. Chivalry is my middle name. He informed her, and I will do almost anything for a slice of pie. I have no pride. Maudie chuckled along with Chrissy. We have a nice pie left over from yesterday. Judd didn't eat it all. He's a fanatic on the subject of apple pie. We have a nice pie left over from yesterday. If Judd didn't eat it all, he's a fanatic on the subject of apple pie. There's some left because I made two, Chrissy told Maudie. Come along, Mr. Assistant Police Chief, and I'll feed you. Grier stood aside to let Monica push. Beauty before titles, he said with grin. And please don't tell my supervisor, don't tell my superior that I'm susceptible to bribes. Chet Blake is too, Monica for I hear he's your cousin. He sighed as he followed the woman into the house. Neptitism rears its ugly head, he grinned. But he was desperate and so was I. Why? Chrissy asked curiously. Don't be rude, Monty Trine. He's barely got in the house. Give him some coffee and pie. Then grill it, she added with a chuckle. Gray had two slices of pie, actually, and two cups of coffee. You're a good cook, he told Chrissy while he sipped at his second cup. I learned early, she replied, twirling her cup around under her hands. My mother wasn't invalid until her death. I learned to cook when I was ten.
He says the history there, and he wondered about her relationship with John Dunn. He heard rumors of all sorts. He heard rumors of all sorts about the old, odd couple who shared the D bar G ranch. She looked up, noticing the curious look in his dark eye. You're curious about us, aren't you? She asked. John's uncle and my father were partners in this ranch for ten years. Circumstances, she said, pulling down the tragedy of her life into one word, left us with a half interest each. I'm good with computers and math, so I do most of the bookkeeping. John is good with livestock, so he takes care of buying and selling logistics. What happens if one of you gets married? Oh, well, we party. She stopped that. Her eyes held up in self-condemnation in equal parts. Glanced at her left hand. The man's signet ring cut down to fit her finger. His eyes looked back at her. There was keen intelligence at them. I never tell what I know, he told her. Governments would topple. He grinned. He smiled back. You don't know anything, she informed him deliberately. His gaze was speculative. Is it real or just on paper? I was 16 at the time, she replied. It's just on paper. He doesn't feel like that. His arm was, but you do. She worried. What I feel doesn't matter. He saved me more. He saved more than the ranch. He saved me. And that's all I'm going to tell you. She added when he stared at her. In November, I turned 21, and I'm a free woman. He first just looked at your face. I'm 38. Years too old for you. He voice trailed off. Voice trailing off like a question. It never occurred to her that a man would find her attractive. Joe treated her like a sore foot. Body ordered her around. Boys at school were interested in the pretty feminine girls who flirted. Chrissy was friendly, but she didn't flirt or dress suggestively. In fact, she was much more at home around horses and cattle and the cowboys she'd known most of her life. She was shy with most men. She was, I, I don't interest men. She blurted out. He put his coffee cup down slowly. Excuse me. You want some more coffee? She asked flustered. He was fascinated. The woman who fled, who filed through his life, had been sophisticated as worldly as he was. Cheek and urban and sensuous. They thought nothing of coming on to him with all sorts of physical and verbal sensuality. This woman was untouched, uncorrupted. She had a freshness, a vibrance that made him wish he was young again and that he had the experience that had turned a bitter and cold inside. She was like a junk-wing blooming in the snow, stubborn flash of optimism in a cynical cold landscape. He frowned, studying her. Flush Cooper, you're intimidating when you scrowl, just like Judd, she said uneasily, blaming on a jaded past. He said, biting off the words, pushed his chair back so funny, tell Judd I've put a note on our bulletin board about the size security job. So far, we've got over a hundred applicants. We only have twenty cops. He had it on side. My own secretary signed up. Your secretary? He nodded, pushing in the chair back under the table slowly. She says if they hire her to do security, they'll have to give her a badge and a gun, and she can arrest me any time she feels like it if I make her work late. She left in spite of herself. Got far away for a minute there, and she felt uncomfortable. Are you a bad boss? I'm temperamental. It showed, but she wasn't going to say it. Thanks for the coffee and pie, he said quiet. You're very welcome. Turner went down the hall. His back, she noted, was arrow straight. He walked with a particular gait. This up and a step that was vaguely disquieting. He walked like a man who hunted. Got to the front steps and turned so suddenly that she went off balance and had to catch one of the porch posts to save herself. Do you like pizza? He asked abruptly. She was still really from his son's up. Uh, yes. Friday night. He persisted dark eyes now. There's a band. Do you dance? I do, she said. What will Judd do if you go out with another man? 
She was uneasy. I, well, I don't really know. I don't think he's mine. She added, it isn't that sort of relationship. You may mind having to go out with me, he said flatly. He knows more about me than most people do around here. She was shocked, didn't she? Are you a bad man? Something terrible flashed in his darkness. I have been. He said, not anymore. Her face softened as she looked at him. She wondered if he realized how much his eyes gave away. There were nightmares in them. She let go of the post to move a step closer to him. We all have scars, she said, understanding what Judd had been saying to her that day in the kitchen. Some show, some don't, but we all have them. Is that no mono deep? She began to smile. Mine too, but all of a sudden, I don't mind them so much. They seem less conspicuous. His broad chest rose and fell. Felt light. Funny. Funny. So do mine. He smiled. The only place that serves pizza and beer has a dance band is Shay's Roadhouse and Bar out on the Victorian Road, she told him. Judd never goes there. I'm afraid he won't like me going there. I'll take care of you. He told her, she said. People have been taking care of me all my life, and I'll be a grown woman in less than two months. She tried his face. I have to learn how to take care of myself. Funny you should mention it. He said in his eyes, softened. I wrote the book on self-defense for women. Not that kind of taking care, she muttered. I'll teach you just the same. Ever shoot a gun? Judd taught me to scoot sheet. Scoot skeet, she told him. I'm Elva Wills with a 28 gauge. I have my own. A brownie. She didn't add that he didn't take her shooting in years. He smiled, surprised. Many women were fishing. Imagine that. Do you shoot? He gave her a look that reduced her height by three inches. You're a police officer. Of course you shoot, she muttered. Ebb's got, got a nice firing range. He lets us use for practice. I'll teach you how to shoot a pistol, FBI style. Can you ride? She asked. Yes, I can. I don't like to. He was probably a city man, she guessed. That had much to do with horses or ranching. I don't like pistols. She confessed. Sure. We can't like everything. He looked down at her with meaning emotions. I suppose I really am too old for you. Cash, who was four years older than Judd, thought she was too young. Maybe Judd did too. That would explain, as nothing else did, the hesitation he showed in getting involved with her. It hurt. On the other hand, he murmured, misreading her look of disappointment. What the hell? That movie star, who's a grandmother, just married a man 25. Her eyes brightened and she grinned. Are you proposing after only two slices of apple pie? Gosh, imagine if I cooked you supper. He burst out laughing. He hadn't laughed like this in a long time. He felt as if all the cold dead places inside him were warm. Imagine he read on pizza Friday night. He added, pizza and beer. She heard, beer for me, soft drinks for you. He said, you're not legal yet. You'll have to be 21 to drink beer in Texas. Okay, I'm easy. I'll drink bourbon whiskey instead. <laughs> she gave her a startache look and went down the steps. He hesitated and looked up at her. How many people know you're married? A handful, she said. They also know that it's a business arrangement. It won't damage your reputation. I don't have a reputation to damage anymore. He replied, I was thinking of yours. Her face broke into smile. How nice of you. Nice. He shook his head as he opened the door of the patrol car. Static was coming from the radio. I can think of at least a dozen people who would roll on the floor laughing if they heard me called that. Their dark eyes went good. Hand over their numbers. I'll phone them. He couldn't. See you Friday. About five. She nodded. About five. He drove off with a wave of his hand. Chrissy went back into the kitchen where Maudie was standing by the sink looking worried. What's your problem? Chrissy asked. I overheard what he said. You just agreed to go out on a date. 
Yes, and your point is? You're married, darling, Molly replied. Judd is not going to like this. Why should he mind? She asked reasonably. He said often enough that he does want me for keeps. It's just a bonus business arrangement. Molly didn't say a word. She was remembering the look on Judd's face when she walked into the kitchen unexpectedly and found Chrissy sitting on his lap. Chrissy hadn't noticed anything different, but she had. She turned back to her chores. Judd wasn't going to like this. End of chapter 2.